And we shouldn't be known for our hate. We can tell the truth with a tenderness and a kindness. I think Jesus did. Uh, who he was hurtful and pushy with were us, the religious folks. I mean, it's just apparent in the scriptures. And he didn't have to qualify what he said by first saying, like, I'm saying this with love. You know, exactly. <laughs> it just was loving. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, it exuded him. But I think we exude this spiritual pheromones, like either fear or faith. And and, and I think, I don't think we can see it. And, and I can't go to the Bible and point it out, but it's like the demonic and, and strife and all that kind of stuff is attracted to fear and, and, and anger and all those harsh, you know, hard things. And yet faith and love and kindness repels that kind of stuff. Many millennia ago, at the peak of Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights, a group of divine beings known as the Watchers, or Sons of God, descended in an act of rebellion against their king, Yahweh. By teaching them the secret knowledge of the cosmos, they sought to wrestle dominion of the earth away from humanity. They bore children with them, and their offspring were both human and divine. These giants are the demigods of old, and the events that transpired would forever alter the course of human history. At Camp Hermon, we discuss the oddities of the ancient world and their lingering impact on our world today. Welcome. Hey, campers, welcome back for another episode of Camp Hermon. Tori, we just had a pretty awesome conversation with our good friend, Brandon Spain. It was pretty awesome. And Brandon's pretty awesome. He's a good friend. He is a podcast host and he's also a Camp Hermon member, which is really great. We love having him. Yeah. His show is the unrefined podcast and the conversation that we you're about to listen to, you know, we talk about spiritual warfare a good amount. Actually we've done, we've done a, probably a handful of episodes on spiritual warfare I'd say this is probably one of the most practical episodes we've done on spiritual warfare, but it's so powerful. I agree. It's like simple biblical truth. And yeah, we're excited for you guys to listen. All right, guys. So without further ado, here's Brandon Spain. Oh, wait, Chris, before we dive in, um, I wanted to make a quick announcement about the Go Therefore conference. It is a month from today, actually. So July 28th and 29th in Brookville, Ohio. And Chris and I will be there along with a handful of our friends. Brandon, our guest tonight, will be there as well. Um, some of our members will be there. We're really excited. Um, there's going to be some incredible speakers. So Vicki Joy Anderson, who you've heard on our podcast. We love Vicki Joy. Kenny C., um, Dr. Greg Reed, L.A. Marzuli, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, some of our favorites. Um, who did I miss, Chris? I know. It's it's like an all-star lineup. It's a lineup. bunch of people. Yeah, Tom Dunn is going to be presenting. Mike and, Spalding. Yeah, and I, probably there's a bunch of people. It's, it's, it's a packed conference, which is awesome. You can go to gothereforeconference.com to get tickets. If this is easier for you, we're going to have a page on the website. It'll be go. It'll just say go. Campermon.com. Find the page go. We'll have a link to the conference where you can get your tickets. And we're also going to have like a sign up 
for some hangs that we're going to do. There'll be like a schedule and a sign up. If you know you're coming to the conference and you want to hang out with with uh, Tori and I and Brandon Spain and some of our, our other friends, Timmy B. Um, if you want to hang out Timmy. with us, go go to campermon.com, find the page, go and uh, check it out. Yeah, we'll plan some fun stuff. Chris is going to get us set up at Cracker Barrel, right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Chris I loves do, Cracker Barrel. I do love Cracker Barrel. <laughs> 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 okay, now for real this time, without further ado, our good friend Brandon Spain. So Brandon, we appreciate you coming on, man. You and I have been kind of Facebook friends for how long now? Handful of months at least. Yeah, at least six or seven. Yeah, a good little while. Um, so for anybody that uh, is not familiar with with Brandon Spain, he is the host of or one of the hosts of the Unrefined podcast. He is an Anglican priest. And Brandon, I tell people that you're my priest because you hear my confession <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> um, yeah. Hope that's hope that's OK. Yeah, that's great. I'm not Ang- Anglican or, or, or Catholic, but uh, we're all priests. You know, we all we all need to hear confessions. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The word says, uh, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Right. James again. Yeah. There's a, there's power in, in confession. Absolutely. So, so Tori, you saw that movie nefarious and we've had different conversations and guests on our show where we've, you know, we had Fern and Audrey on talking about, satanic ritual abuse did all that kind of stuff you've been researching like mental illness and and how it relates to that so kind of during that time i reached out to brandon because he has experience ministering to and counseling you know people in you know sra did as well and he and i have had private conversations kind of about some of those different topics so I reached out to him a couple months ago and and asked him to come on tonight to talk about just that. And he's got some other things that he wants to talk about. So Tori, I'm I'm stoked to have this combo with Brandon. Awesome. I am too. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on with us. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, I appreciate being invited. I mean, it's a privilege. You know, I'm one of y'all's fans, so I'm part of the Ampermont community. That's right. That's right. Um, you are you're you're a you're an official member yeah, love we're it fans, we're fans of you too you know like this is one <laughs> big family here so yep. yeah. yeah really fun to get to have yeah, yeah. I, I, I do want to mention something else that I, that i'm doing that, that has actually even taken over more of even the podcast is we've started a men's discipleship ministry online called band of brothers and we're stead- we're, we're setting up small groups all over the united states and our hope is for these guys to begin to do small groups online and then take it home to their families and become the head of their household and then to begin to spread it in their communities and stuff like that. So I was trained to do discipleship making movements, which that's a part of. And uh, so we're, we're doing it online. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. So that's, that's taken a lot of my time. I've been doing uh, videos and, and uh, trainings and teachings on that kind of stuff. So. That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and, we can for anybody that's interested in checking that out or checking out Brandon stuff in general, we're going to put all of those links, anything he wants to share with y'all in the show notes. So check the show notes. 
Yeah. And that goes, that goes into what Sandy, my wife and I have been doing for almost 20 years now is the whole, just, we don't, we don't use all the buzzwords. I don't like to call it inner healing because that has negative connotations. I don't like to call it, you know, we, we just like to do um, prayer counseling is what we call it. And it's not real counseling because I'm, I am an ordained priest and I could do pastoral counseling, but I, I don't have a license or certificate, you know, so uh, we just call it prayer counseling or, or just, you know, praying with people. And uh, that's, that's a large portion of our ministry and it if you want me to go into the background of it, I can a little bit, uh, how we kind of yeah. fell into it. We, uh, when I married Sandy it was a whirlwind romance. I'm not going to give you all that, but we were married within six months. I mean, we, we, we were both older. I was 28 and she was 20. So that'd make her 20. Yeah. 30. And we were like, we know, we both know what we want and we're older. So we got married and, uh, she was going through a long process. Her first husband had died of a tragic accident. Uh, and so she was acquainted with grief. And so anyway, she had promised the Lord that, that uh, she had prayed about it for a long period of time. And she, she just uh, decided that she was going to go through uh, litigation with it. And, and uh, she did, and she dedicated to the Lord. And then she met me and she's like, I believe the Lord one day wants me to do a retreat center. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so we uh, just carried on with our lives. And about six years into our marriage, we we found a, an area not too far. We thought we were going to move to Missouri or Ozarks or somewhere, you know, <laughs> really cool. And we, we found a place like 40 minutes from where we grew up. And uh, it was an old plantation. We bought the old plantation. And we, uh, to give you a little background, I was, uh, I was uh, raised Methodist and was saved in the Baptist church. I always tell everybody, if it weren't for the Baptist, nobody would get saved. Amen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love them. And, and uh, anyway, so I went to Baptist college and had to read the Bible, and that's what saved me. And so if you fast forward, I went through a, a, the charismatic movement for a while, was part of the vineyard, just di- different groups. Uh, I've been, I'm a mutt theologically, at least when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, but I went to seminary and for some reason in seminary, when you start to learn a lot of stuff, particularly head knowledge, and this is one of my big themes of my ministry, when you learn, when you start to learn a lot of head knowledge, you start to become proud and you start to really think that you're smarter than everybody else. And I, I did that. And so fast forward, we bought, we buy this place up here that we still live at, uh, this retreat center. And I'd forgotten everything that I'd learned practically on how to minister spiritually or how to live life spiritually. I I tell people that seminary, and I'm not knocking seminary or or education or Bible knowledge. I mean, we have to have that, you know, but, uh, uh, it was, it was just a powerful elixir and it, it was, you know, intoxicating. And I had to go back and learn spiritual warfare one-on-one. I had to go back and learn, uh, how to pray with people, I, I, you know, research doctrines on healings and, and all that stuff, because we got hit with the, a, a tremendous amount of just onslaught warfare when we started this retreat center. And then later, when we learned how to do the, the disciple making movements, the DMM and the CPM stuff that we're doing, uh, we got hit with even more spiritual warfare 
and I'd forgotten what to do. You guys, I mean, I'd been, you know, I'd been studying the Trinity, which I love. I love the doctrine of the Trinity. I mean, I knew in and outs of the doctrine of the Trinity, but I was fighting with my wife. I was not getting along with my kids. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was, I was all these things. It's like my Christianity didn't work. So fast forward, we, this, the retreat center didn't work because not many people do retreats anymore. And, and so we were at the place where we were about to go bankrupt and it was, everything was circling the drain, going down the toilet. And, and I went into a, a major depressive, uh, ex, uh, experience and Sandy was there for me through it. And I had to pull out even more things. I had to seek help from people because I didn't want to go to a secular counselor because anyway, I just, I, you just don't know what you're going to get when you go to a secular counselor a lot of times. And, it, and you really don't know what you're going to get a lot of times when you go to a Christian counselor, because they've been trained in these secular um, schools. So anyway, long and short of it is God through just this, through my study, through mind renewal, through uh, prayer with different people, through mentorship and, and all that kind of stuff pulled me out and medicine. I mean, I, and, and I'll get into that more in the, when we get into the show here is, I'm not one of these kind of people. I mean, I, I buy the whole pharmacia stuff. I know about the big pharma and I agree with all that. At the same time though, medicine saved my life and it was a temporary fix to get my flesh to where I could get my brain to where I could renew it and get other things dealt with. I kind of, I kind of compare it to like these glasses I have, you know, I can't read my Bible at all. I can't see anything right now. I can't read my Bible at all without these glasses. So I put them on. And there they, there they are. And now I can renew my mind. And that's how I see medicine a lot of times. And so I'm, I'm real balanced and I probably sit on the fence with a lot of stuff, but it's working in my life. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And that's what I want to help other people with this whole journey is to see that, you know, you have different camps in the body of Christ that'll tell you one thing and another thing and, and all these different things. And, and, and they're doing one of the biggest things that the enemy wants. We're dividing and being divisive. And there's two things in the early church that the fathers were against. The first was heresies. And the second was divisiveness. And so I, what I've noticed is, is people tend to major on one or the other to the, to the neglect of the other. And I, in my quest for you know, loving, tender, truthful Christianity, I'm trying to find a place where I can, you know, hey, yeah, there's heresies. We need to deal with them. We need to tell people the truth. But I don't want to, you know, I saw a video today that was sent to me by a friend of, I don't know what pastor it was. He had a Bible attached to his bat. Have y'all seen that video circulating? And he's, ta he's talking about, I'm not going to tell you what minister it is because, I mean, I don't care for him. So I'm just going to leave it blank. But He's like, he has a Bible attached to his bat and he's like talking about doing deliverance and we got to hit those demons out and, nah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I was just laughing because I laughed because he's right in a lot of circles. That's it's like all that stuff is wacko and, and it's just crazy. But then, in, but then I, I laugh too, because a lot of times that's how heresy hunters are too. They put that Bible on that bat and I got to go, I'm going to love you with the truth, man. <laughs> I'm going to love you with the truth. And I almost like, I get really scared when somebody says, I'm going to tell you the truth in love. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here it comes. 
Yeah, I'm about to hear something really hateful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and we shouldn't be known for our hate. You know, I, I think we could tell the truth with a tenderness and a kindness. I think Jesus did. Uh who he was hurtful and pushy with were us, the religious folks. I mean, it's just apparent in the scriptures. And he didn't have to qualify what he said by first saying, like, I'm saying this with love, you know, exactly. <laughs> it just was loving. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, it exuded him. I think, I mean, this is, this is what I call shade tree theology, but I think that, and it might have something to do with frequency. I might have to ask Kenneth, I mean, Kenny, sorry about it, but, but I think we exude this spiritual pheromones, like either fear or faith. And, and, and I think, I don't think we can see it and, and I can't go to the Bible and point it out, but it's like the demonic and, and strife and all that kind of stuff is attracted to fear and, and, and anger and all those harsh, you know, hard things. And yet faith and love and kindness repels that kind of stuff. And, and I think it's just living with an open heart. Like Paul says in second Corinthians, uh, when you live with an open heart, I almost see Jesus, as, he was just able to walk through that crowd when they tried to push him off the cliff because he was living with open homes, like he had airbags and he just walked right through, you know, and that's the presence that he carried with him, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah. I think we as Christians, that that's the fundamental thing from any talk of spiritual warfare is his presence. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you and kind of talk through some of the stuff that you were saying, I like to like to define some terms and then kind of discuss like what is, and I'm asking you this, Brandon, like what is spiritual warfare? Can you kind of define that term and then and describe it practically? Yeah, I mean, you have many different camps. The the camp that I've kind of come down into, except I have some tweaks and nuances to it, which Sandy and I've done a lot of training in brain science, which is fascinating stuff. I, I love it. And Dr. Daniel Amen, who says he's a Christian, but I, I love his books and stuff. And and uh, different different people. Um, there's that I can't remember her name, the South African lady that's out there that has who switched off my brain. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, she's done a lot of stuff when it comes to brain science, but I kind of think that. Spiritual warfare comes down to this. It, it is basically us dealing with, with the truth from the word of God versus a lie that comes from the enemy. And I think that majority of it is mental. Um, I, I cut my teeth with a lot of this stuff with a guy named Neil Anderson. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. He wrote a book called Bondage Breaker and Victory Over the Darkness. And I think the most operative way to engage in spiritual warfare is to replace the lies that we believe with the truth. And we do that through mind renewal. But when you're talking about defining terms and, and, and all that kind of stuff, a lot of the people in this different war spiritual warfare camps, we talk over each other. You know, we use these words, uh, possession, demonization, you know, can somebody have a demon? I mean, I, I don't know. Can can a, a, a demon have a person? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know what all these definitions mean. And I think a lot of the language is unhelpful. And if we're striving for 
unity instead of divisiveness, then we need to learn to have conversations about this kind of stuff instead of immediately demonizing, pun intended, the other side. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think spiritual warfare basically comes down to that. It, it comes down, it, it manifests itself in, in, you know, obviously in what I would call power encounters, which is what Chuck Craft, who you, you know, uh, you're very familiar with, would, would call uh, so there, there is the possibility of a power encounter, but I think Jesus majority of the time, he didn't let it get to that place. He, he didn't have any, you know, 20 hour deliverances with people throwing up and puke buckets and, and all that kind of stuff. He just, with a word said, go. And so anyway, does that help? Yeah. Yeah. That- yeah. I mean, it- the reason why I mentioned defining terms and you were talking about people in the deliverance space kind of talking over each other, there's the talking over each other. And then there's people using a term and just kind of assuming that this is what everyone knows it to mean. Right. Um, right. I think that happens a lot too within, yep. you know, Christian circles. We make a lot of assumptions and then, you know, we have these conversations and then people get upset and it's like, well, what if we started out by clarifying like what we mean? Like when I say this, this is, this is kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about because I think when people hear like spiritual warfare, or at least when I hear spiritual warfare, I immediately think like casting out demons and, you know, praying in tongues or praying, you know, Psalm 91 or, or this or that. So I like what you're saying about, essentially replacing that fear with love um, and that being an act of spiritual warfare and a scripture that came up in my mind when you were talking about just that you talk about knowledge when you're in seminary. And I had that too, when I was at, at school, getting my bachelor's degree in Bible, it's first Corinthians eight, one knowledge puffs up, but love builds up the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know but the man who loves God is known by God. So yeah, man, it, it everything that we are searching out answers to, it seems like things just keep coming back to love, love, yeah. yeah. which makes sense. I mean, right. Because God is love. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's all about love. So I, I love that, uh, that you mentioned that as an aspect of spiritual warfare. And I wanted to take the opportunity to read a post that Tori had done a while back. She posted on Facebook and I didn't tell Tori I was going to do this, but I actually responded on the post like, wow, this is spiritual warfare. So I just want to take a minute to, to read this post. So Tori said this morning, a close friend asked for some help maneuvering a conflict And it got me thinking about grace, and I accidentally wrote a whole dissertation. I'm not great at this. Actually, I've failed at this a lot. Grace is hard, but here it is. It's damaging to kick someone out of a group for hurting you. I know that no one is perfect, and none of us can be expected to address conflicts, misunderstandings, and wounds perfectly in the heat of the moment. But if we identify as followers of Christ, we should be the last people in the world to withhold grace from anybody ever. If we claim to follow Jesus, we simply cannot. We claim to be followers of a perfect, loving, merciful creator who chose to leave his throne so that he could put on flesh 
and live among us as a carpenter, the one that healed us, shared food with us, and befriended us even though we're a bunch of weirdos, and he washed our dirty feet and laughed at our lame jokes and loved us deeply, fully knowing how messed up we are. Jesus, acutely aware of our innumerable flaws and feeble attempts at being good, chose to give himself up for us in every way, both before and after being abandoned, disowned, and straight up betrayed by his closest friends. After suffering the worst emotional pain possible at the hands of his best friends, he was beaten to a pulp while being publicly mocked and humiliated, then had his flesh ripped off by whips and thorns and ultimately suffocated to death on a cross while his friends stood off in the distance and let it happen. He suffered every pain imaginable willingly for us, the people who call ourselves his followers but quietly betray him daily, and with his dying breath he forgave us. Who are we to withhold grace? Imagine believing we deserve any better than Jesus. Imagine feeling that we have suffered greater betrayal or humiliation. Imagine thinking we have more justification for our condemnation of others' mistakes. Imagine feeling more entitled to a grudge than the Son of God. I know I'm beating this point to death, but seriously, how can we have this example and still think so highly of ourselves that we decide who deserves grace and forgiveness and when they deserve it, right? I kind of think the way we honor the Lord who was betrayed, slandered, beaten, and murdered and actually follow in his footsteps is to forgive every mistake early and often and help our friends walk in love rather than abandoning shame and shunning them. We create holy change in each other's lives by loving when it isn't deserved and correcting mistakes with gentleness and humility. Mm. That's what will heal broken relationships and broken people, not more brokenness. Amen. We were given so much grace, we need so much humility. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be humble. 1 Peter 3.8 Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Peter seemed to know a thing or two about the importance of humility, likely because he was shown radical grace after disowning Jesus over and over the night Jesus was killed when he needed someone in his corner the most. Even though he was in Jesus' inner circle, he denied knowing him publicly three times. After resurrecting, Jesus appeared to Peter and extended undeserved grace to him, also publicly, also three times. Imagine how different the New Testament would look if Jesus had held that against him and cut him out of his circle. This is so crazy, but honestly, the only people who have ever kicked me out of the fold and cut me off like, like this have been fellow Christians. It has even come as a first response to a mistake without any room for me to repent and restore the relationship. Given the countless examples from Jesus' life, it's safe to say Christians should be the last people in the world to handle conflict in this way. Giving grace is always healing, and it's what Jesus does continually when we don't deserve it. And basically, we never deserve it. That's what makes it grace. So to me, 
this just speaks to what you were talking about, Brandon, about replacing fear um, with love and spiritual warfare. I mean, that is spiritual warfare, like walking in humility and forgiveness and grace. Don't you think? Absolutely. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that's, you could, you couldn't put it any better. And, and I love to caveat the whole truth thing because we have to, and it's sad that we do, but you have to caveat the truth thing, not just in love, because that's cliche. You have to say with tenderness and, and how did you word it, Tori? You said in humility and gentleness. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's face it. You're on Facebook with someone and they're trying to give you their truth. If they're shoving it down your throat, like we were talking about earlier before the show, if they're shoving it down your throat, you're not going to listen to them. I didn't listen to them before I was saved. I mean, I was mixed into philosophy and everything. People would try, you need to get saved. You need to know Jesus. And here I, they're out there smoking pot with me. You know, and I'm like, nah, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not affecting your life. I don't want it, you know, and they were shoving it down my throat. And, but you know, what really got me was a woman that after, after I'd, had an encounter with Christ at a church. I had like an open vision of Jesus on the cross. It was pretty incredible. I didn't even believe in miracles and all that stuff. And I had an open vision of Jesus at the foot of a, a Baptist church. That's what's cray. Anyway, it was awesome. <laughs> and, 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 and I saw Jesus and what he did for me, but this woman came alongside of me and mentored me and discipled me. And, and she showed me what it was like to love people in truth with tenderness and mercy. And, I didn't learn it at the time, but she planted the seed inside my soul. And it took me, like, I think about that scene in the Passion of Christ, if y'all seen it. It's the scene when when, when Jesus chases away those men who are about to uh, uh, stone the woman caught in adultery. And she's crawling across the dirt trying to get to him. That image, that that's how I was at this place in my life. I was, I was just... I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear, I didn't want to be spiritual bypass. I don't want to hear, you know, just pray more, just speak in tongues, go get a deliverance, go get a whatever, feeling ad nauseum. I mean, I was, I was like, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And, and his love rescued me. It wasn't his knowledge. It was his love. I mean, you know, and his truth in love dusted me off and picked me back up and gave me purpose again. And that would, that is spiritual warfare. Yeah. Like actual genuine love, not unsolicited advice, not bullying someone into doing something and not right. saying some, not saying something cruel and blanketing it with, I'm saying this in love because <laughs> right. that's, that's not what Jesus did. Well, and I've done it. I mean, I'm wired that way. I'm a type A personality, very black and white, all that kind of stuff. So I did it for years, you know, but it took God, uh, I mean, I don't think he personally humbled me. I think life humbled me and he just used it. And and I welcome it. it it's one of those kind of things where you, I, I wouldn't go through it for a million dollars, but I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars either, you know? And and it has been so shaping in my life to to see that aspect of of Jesus. And we, we talk about this in theology and I love it. And it's it's where I center myself more on the cross or the theory of the atonement is something called Christus Victor, Victor. And it's basically the belief that Jesus was victorious on the cross and everything that, that came from it. And that was the true act of spiritual warfare. But what was it? It was an act of love. 
It was an act of love that brought back the authority for him to be able to, 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 to demolish and vanquish the, 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 the spirits and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I even see it with, in our circles, you guys, I love all these podcasters, all these people I've gotten to meet, but it's like, we get so, so infatuated with the giants and the cryptids and all this kind of fun stuff that we forget what it's about, that it's about the gospel vanquishing these things, you know, and, 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 and him putting his foot on, on the, the serpent, so to speak. And, yes. and we are, we are victorious and we begin to walk out that victorious. And that's what I like about the whole truth versus lies when we begin to believe in our hearts, the true things that are already true about us, uh, my mentors uh, who taught me a lot of healing protocols used to say it like this. They were like, they said, if you take out the trash in your life, the flies will go with it. Yes. Um, and that's another uh, uh, truism that I see with spiritual warfare. And you've got two camps. You've got one camp that says, oh, Christians don't need to worry about it. You know, almost like what C.S. Lewis said that, you know, it's not even real. It's or if it is real, you know, it, 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 they can't mess with you because you're a Christian. You have the Holy Spirit and da, da, da. But then you got the other ditch that sees a demon around every corner and every jot, <laughs> eye, tittle, cloud, whatever, you know, I mean, and it's like they're both wrong. And uh, Luther used to talk about a drunken man falls on both sides of his horse. And I think that's what we as the body of Christ do is we we vacillate between those truths and the and, and that's why i love being an anglican um at least in spirit now so much is is we leave a lot of things just a mystery like communion the catholics have to explain it down to a t and and i have a lot of catholic friends that 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 you know they'll, they'll have to get over me saying that but they want to get it down to philosophy and the accidentals and the aristotelian logic and all this stuff Whereas the Anglicans just said, no, we, we just believe that his presence is there. We can't explain how it's there, but in the body, in the blood of Jesus, in the wine and the cup, his presence is there. And when you take it, some grace is imparted to you. His presence is imparted to you. And that is spiritual warfare too. A lot of people don't realize that taking communion, the very physical act of taking communion is an act of spiritual warfare. Paul talks about it in, in, in I think it's in first Corinthians and several other places. That itself is is very powerful, uh, you know. And what what disappoints me, and what makes me so adamant about this, and why Chris and I have been talking about this, is I want to see people come together in in unity about this instead of fussing and fighting and, and threatening not to fellowship with somebody because they believe you can have a demon or threatening, you know, to. To, to, uh, to fellowship not to fellowship with somebody because they believe you, you can't and you know and the reality is is that like i said the early church and i have actually some things i want to share about if it's all right with you guys i made some things about some of the church fathers what they said about spiritual warfare which i think is really interesting their two things were it, their their main big deals about spiritual warfare were um basically the divisiveness which that means lack of love and heresies and and so we, we have to merge those two camps together and once again begin to you know realize that yeah there's heresy out there we need to deal with it it's trying to infiltrate the church that's actually spiritual warfare too but we're not gonna you know if jesus would have walked up to the demoniac and started bludgeoning him with a baseball bat let me get those demons out of you you know he, <laughs> it wouldn't have worked <laughs> but he you know, Jesus, I mean, the, the demoniac realized who Jesus was, came up and made an, a, 
an allegiance statement is what I like to call it. You know, Lord, Lord, you know, can you help me? And boom, you know, and he's like, yeah, I think we forget the personalness of the scriptures and that these stories are real. When we read it, we, we're always trying to pull out theology and doctrines instead of just reading that there's a man that was broken and he needed this, this, this man, this God, Jesus, to transform him. And I, I think that we have to get back to the grassroots of that in spiritual warfare as well. I love that too. And I think, I think there's so much truth and it's like, it's simple truth. And Amen. you kind of said this earlier, but like spiritual warfare isn't this like glamorized, like, you know, shouting and people throwing up in buckets or whatever. It's, it's yep. literally like doing what the Lord said. It's like being obedient, you know, it's, yep. it's loving our brothers and sisters it's taking communion it's obeying the word it's repenting of our sin you know like yeah just the things that the bible says that we're supposed to do every day like that's worship people forget about this worship in the old testament who was the first tribe that went went in front of everybody judah praise you know we don't think about the aspect of worship and and, and it says in uh, psalm 22 3 this is going to show my charismatic card but anyway you know how he's enthroned on the praises of our of of his people you know there's something about his tangible manifest presence mm-hmm. that 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 just drives it away and it 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 does it inside of us too it's done it in my life absolutely um, yeah. yeah 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 it's it's wild that what we're talking about here is the fundamentals like right like the basics like fellowship in love communion and even baptism water baptism is an act of of spiritual warfare yes and there's a uh, dr michael heiser's got a great great teachings on this where he talks about how we're identifying through water baptism like whose side we're on in this cosmic war good versus evil as it relates to the fallen watchers and satan and and, and in camp yeah it's it's the basics and it's crazy because yeah i think the enemy and i think we talked about this a little bit for an argument talked about this the enemy wants to get us distracted yes on the the show of things yeah get us afraid and and yep focusing on the fear and the kind of entertainment aspect hype. of yeah hype. the hype of great word for uh, yeah. you know demonic quote-unquote like manifestations and things yeah. Yeah. instead of just loving the person because everything else is a distraction yeah he wants he wants to get get us off our our focus which our focus should be him and his presence you know and you were talking about baptism. When we baptize people, when we make a disciple, when they when they come to the Lord, when we baptize people, um, in, in the DMM stuff we do, I not only baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but I ask them to say, I renounce Satan and all his works as part of the spiritual act. That doesn't happen anymore. The early church did that. I mean, that was part of their their liturgy of baptism in the early church. But people don't do that double. It's like it's it's you do you renounce Satan and all his works, then you dip them in and baptize them in the in the triune reality of eternal life, and 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 we're missing that in, in baptism. I mean, and, and I'm not one of these kind of groups that believes baptism saves you and regenerate all that kind of stuff. However, 
I have seen a tendency in the evangelical circles that I'm a part of is putting off baptism for months and months and months when that, that, that is not, that's not the biblical way, so to speak. I'm not going to obviously, you know, jump on anybody for doing that, but I'm just thinking, what is the significance that it needs to be done so quick? You know, it doesn't save you, but it does do something as an act of spiritual warfare. It's like Heiser said, it, it's, it's an act of declaration of obedience and allegiance. I pledge allegiance you know, to Jesus. I mean, just like we used to say the pledge in school, you know, which I don't say anymore, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. My parents are going to kill me if they hear this. <laughs> I know. I had it. Oh, man. We gave this guy such a hard time and I need to track him down. Um, he was an Anglican too. I went to a Christian high school and I mean, the students were just brutal, right? Especially to like new teachers. And we had this new young teacher named Mr. Robertson. I need to find him. And anyway, he wouldn't say the pledge. of He wouldn't like put his hand over his heart and he wouldn't say the pledge. And he wore Tom's shoes and he just rotated like three outfits and was so cool, you know, but like people gave him such a hard time and I need to track him down and be like, I'm sorry, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) You were right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of simplicity in that, you know, and, and, and here's the other cool thing that, 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 that about the Anglican church is, is the group I'm a part of was an offshoot of the Episcopal church, which kind of went down the tubes. I mean, that's the only nice way to put it. They, they definitely went into heresy. And now the, uh, I joke with people, I don't trust white Anglicans. I only trust black Anglicans because the ones in Africa are the only ones that are Orthodox because every, every, all the ones in England and the United States are all, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And and, and and but they're so powerful. The, the the African Anglicans are so powerful because they understand spiritual warfare because they understand the spiritual world, and two, and they're not afraid to get loud when it comes to prayer. And it's not necessarily loud at demons as much as it's just loud in our passion, in our cry and petitions to the Lord. You know, and and I tell you what, praying with a group of of of, of African Rwandan Anglicans, man, was an experience for me. It's it's just uh. You know, here I am, Mr. White Boy, trying to be prim and proper, and and they're they're just get, I mean, they understand the spirit world. We don't have an understanding of that, and I I would be curious to 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 see what some of um you know people from Africa and Asia and different places like that that deal with this demonic stuff in and out, what their viewpoints of spiritual warfare are. I mean, I kind of have an idea. I know a lot of them, you know, uh. They're they're very flam not flamboyant. That's not the word. They're very um, passionate about it, but at the same time, they're very wise about it as well. And they have that balance. They they you know of of the truth because they haven't lost their sense of the truth. We in the West have lost our sense of truth because of postmodernism and stuff. So very true. Boy, I'm chasing rabbits, Chris. <laughs> no, it's all right, man. It's good. Um, you know, I haven't seen the movie yet, but you saw Nefarious, didn't you, Brandon? No, I haven't. Oh, you I haven't seen it yet either. No, okay. I have a buddy of mine, my, my friend Tim, who wants me to watch it because he wants us to do a podcast together about it. I haven't seen it. It was like $24 to rent it. And I'm like, no, nah, I'll buy it for $24, but I'm not going to rent it. But yeah, I'm going to watch it soon enough. And and so tell me about it. What, what, what did you think about it? What did, I haven't seen it yet, Tori. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about it as as it relates to any aspect of this conversation, yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of thoughts. Um, 
I mean, first of all, it really just like made me sad. Um, I, I don't know, it's supposed to be like a scary movie or something, but it, it like really broke my heart watching that, you know, um, I mean, like his story and how it was unfolding, but like also just the fact that, you know, they do bring in um, a priest or like a quote unquote priest and like yeah. what you were just saying about the postmodernism thing. It's like, you know, this priest comes in, this like white, I don't know what denomination he is, um, but probably Catholic. You know, yeah, but just like very, you know, like Western American and, and is trying to sound, you know, like in line with like academia and like culturally yeah. relevant. And so he's saying like, well, oh, because the demon introduces himself and says like, I'm a demon or something like that. Anyway, basically mm. the priest, the priest kind of like poo-poos it and is like, well, we don't really acknowledge that stuff there. Like we don't really believe in that anymore. And is trying to like naturalize it and saying that like they don't even go there spiritually or like kind of basically saying it's like antiquated to believe in spiritual anything you know like just completely mm -hmm. castrates his power you know i'm like if he had just like prayed with that guy you know like he could have i mean yeah if he had just prayed with him if he had just like just given him like a brief you know just like sh little shot of the gospel you know and that like hey you know in the story and sorry y'all i don't want to like give things away but but the demon says that he became attached to the guy through like a series of agreements um mm -hmm. and choices he made you know and so it's just like man all this guy needs to know is that like jesus died on the cross to pay for our mistakes and like we don't have to pay for them ourselves and we don't have to be in bondage to the darkness because he took all of that and he sets us free you know, if we put our trust in him and it's like, that's just a 30 second thing that could have like changed this guy's life, you know, just like a simple prayer. And yeah. And this priest just is completely like, you know, <laughs> I'm not a regular priest. I'm a cool priest. Like we don't really believe in that anymore. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So anyway, so that just really broke my heart too. I was like, wow, I wonder if that's how it is, you know? And like, I wonder if that's like, I just, I hope and I pray that like there are ministers in prisons I mean everywhere but like especially prisons I mean especially with people who are like on death row you know who like legitimately believe in the power of the gospel and believe in prayer and believe in you know these simple spiritual warfare steps that we're talking about like prayer obedience like communion um mm -hmm. confession thanksgiving like worshiping the lord you know I'm just like I hope I hope that's in there you know and if it's not if someone's listening who wants to go, I want to go do that. You know, I don't know if a men's prison is the right outlet for me, but like maybe a women's prison. I don't know. Yeah. There's women's prisons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point, Tori, with talking about that, that scene from the movie where the priest is basically saying like, Oh, we don't, we don't really believe that anymore. And probably what he would say if he would, if he continued that is would probably relate that to just like mental illness so yep. Brandon, what do you think about that as far as some people, some people want to say like, oh, we don't believe in that anymore. It's just mental illness. Other people are like, there's no such thing as mental illness. It's all demonic. I tend to be more middle of the road. Yeah. With, well, with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. How I would describe it like this is uh, not every mental illness is obviously demonic. 
but they all generally generally have a demonic footprint just like we have a, a demonic footprint from the fall that's come through our you know our dna and, and that's one of the areas where i i uh i'm gonna break a sacred cow that i don't agree with dr michael heiser about is is inherent sin he doesn't he, he didn't believe in inherent sin and i do i believe that 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 uh it came through our dna and that we're, we're born fallen and 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 so but not only does the that come through it but but the iniquities and and there's so many different words for sin in the hebrew language that we you know we miss out on and you know one is like a, a conscious act the other is an, an iniquity and different different stuff like that but to answer answer your question yeah i'm, I'm more middle of the road i don't think every illness is is demonic. I don't think uh, every, I, I do believe that demons can attack the flesh because I think a lot of illnesses uh, sometimes can be uh, demonic. A lot of illnesses though, how the demons affect you is they can't read your mind, but they can put thoughts in your mind and they'll get you thinking a certain way, which sets off psychosomatic stuff in your body to make you sick. Yes. Think about it. Wow. If he, put, if he puts an anxious thought or something in there. I mean, he's been around you. There's a, there's a, there's things called familiar spirits. I mean, the occult people are right. They're familiar and, and, and there's familial spirits that have, that, that follow families down. I mean, you can't look at the Kennedys and tell me there's not a familial spirit with that family. I don't call it a generational curse. I don't believe in that, but there is generational stuff that is followed down. If we have possibly guardian angels, then why would Satan not be smart enough to have guardian evil you know and 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 so and and the whole thing about the flesh they can attack the flesh because we see that in the demoniac and we see that with him with the 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 unclean spirits wanting pigs to inhabit so they they want to inhabit things you know i I don't i don't believe in the whole possession and 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 all that kind of stuff and 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 particularly for a believer uh and and I, i don't want to get into all that that kind of stuff but but yeah, back to what you were you were saying. Yeah, I, I tend to follow the the middle road about uh, mental illness. I don't think they're caused, but I think mostly, like I said, most of the most of the time they're caused by lies that are transmitted into the head, and we begin to believe lies. And and y'all know we all do it. We ruminate, we ruminate on those lies, and next thing you know, I, I I'll be paranoid, and I have Chris Price doesn't like me anymore, you know, or something, <laughs> you know, and. And I'm like, I got to text them and I'm, I'm way all out there. And then you get into extremes of that when then they become disorders. The problem we have today though, with all that is that crazy people are writing the book on crazy people. Yeah. So, you know, it, so it's getting to where we can't really trust. And I'm not trying to offend any counselors out there. I want to caveat that you do keep doing the good fight, any Christian counselors. But I mean, the very fact that we consider gender dysphoria now an okay thing shows you that the people with mental disorders are writing the DS, whatever it is, book. DS, DSM four, yeah, five. Four, yeah, yeah, five. Yeah. What the newest one. And, and so, you know, and, and that sounds really simplistic, but it, I think it is just really that simple. If you were the enemy, you would want to get into the soul care business because that's how you inhibit people. And you just like we talk about with the, uh, a lot of the conspiracy stuff and the fringe stuff, you, 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 you mind control people with propaganda. Well, he does the same thing. That's where, that's where they got it from is from him. And so a lot of our spiritual warfare is, is disinformation and propaganda. 
that he just he puts a thought and i think it comes through frequency that that sounds really bizarre this is i can't prove this with the bible but there's there's a lot of research out there being done with frequency i'll give you an example okay um there's a guy who was part of this plant i don't know what he did he was a physicist or he was a scientist he was something and everybody at the plant in this one room kept seeing these apparitions have you heard this have y'all heard this story before i think so but continue okay they kept seeing these apparitions and and nobody wanted to be in the room and all that kind of stuff well this guy you know he started to feel it and they would get headaches and they would get all these weird symptoms and all this kind of stuff will come to find out there was that air conditioner unit that was stuck that was doing it on a certain unhearable frequency they fixed it and all the apparitions went away Mm -hmm. so yeah this stuff is wild am i saying i don't believe in the supernatural no i'm not trying to scientifically explain away everything but that doesn't mean the supernatural doesn't use stuff like that you see what i'm saying i mean he they love to use the earth and the flesh and stuff stuff like that to to fool and deceive us there's a lot of trickery when I wish I could remember who this was, but there was a guy that reached out to me. And if you're listening to this, please message me again, because I've, I've lost your messages in my messenger. He messaged me saying that he had, I think it was like a friend or a brother-in-law or something who was into paranormal research. And he had one of those boxes where it could pick up Spirit box. Uh, spirit, a spirit box, yes. And I think the guy was a Christian, so he's like a Christian paranormal researcher, yeah. which I don't I don't know if those yeah, two jive, especially yeah. with the spirit box. But yeah. so he was saying that his his brother or whoever it was was going into a place to investigate and heard on the box two voices, and they were saying, like, oh. This one is is one of the way because he was a Christian. Said he this one was one of the way. You pretend to be so and so, and I'll pretend to be this person. So he picked up on the box these these two demons discussing how they were going to try to to fool him, basically. And I just thought that was so fascinating, and it just like screwtape letters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It just goes back to like just the deception and how it's just the enemy's just trying to deceive us and trying to sow like fear and chaos into our, our hearts and our minds. And we know he uses technology. I mean, look at the whole megalithic uh, prehistoric, all that. I mean, they use technology. So you know, it's not, it, it, it's not all spells and ma- magic. You know, if you remember in the whole story with Moses, their magicians could only do things to a point. So their power their tangible spiritual power is only limited to a point, and then they have to do resort to sleight of hand or propaganda and lies. Whereas we, on the other hand, have power to the uttermost because Jesus Christ lives inside of us. Yeah. You know, Brandon, another thing I was thinking is like the way that they deceive us, it's like they can whisper lies. Um, and I've been reading about this concept of like, I mean, neuroplasticity, you know? And so yep. it's like, the things that we think about over and over and over again can actually like rewire and like reshape our brains, you know? And so it's like something that can start as a lie that we believe and then we start to think over and over can actually like change. I mean, probably what we would call like your brain chemistry, you know, cause like it actually can cause a physical change. Yep. Um, and so 
I, I do think that there's kind of this like marriage of like when something starts as spiritual and like turns physical, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And surely the enemy would know kind of how to like, I don't know how our bodies work and how anyway, how it doesn't take a lot. But I just thought of this first second Corinthians 10, five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I think that's also just like spiritual warfare. It's like we Absolutely. take these thoughts captive, like these lives come into your head and rather than like thinking about it over and over and allowing it to literally rewire your brain, you take that thought captive and like that's, you just shut it, shut it down. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. That's, that's profound. I mean, yeah, it has to have a place, a, a thin space, so to speak, was what the Celts called it in, in, in England. There's a place where, where the, the spirit somehow permeates the natural, just like in Eden. I think upon the mountain, on up on the mountain of Eden, where the 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 it was so thin between the spiritual and the the natural. So there has to be places where the it's so thin where that spiritual can permeate into the um the natural, you know. And and that's and then it and then it takes like you said it takes steps of things that God created in the world to, to be used for our good, they use for bad, you know, and, and let me, let me, let me piggyback one more thing you were saying there. I think this really important and it has to do with brain chemistry and a lot, a lot of new age people really jumped on the brain chemistry thing. And it's really sad because we as Christians should, because it has a lot to do with how our minds are made and how mind renewal happens and what, what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 too. You know, being renewed in, in this, or no, not not being, that's in Colossians, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. I think it's in Colossians. But uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind is in Romans 12 too. Since we, we'll just say, okay, memorize a lot of scripture and read the Bible all the time. Well, see, that's simplistic. That doesn't work when you're in the throes of your fields, so to speak. What we What we have to do is we have to train people we have to begin to experience truth the same way we experience fear for it to make the same impact on our hearts. Am I making sense? Does that make sense? For yeah. example, if, if I, if I say Chris right now, man, a knock is in a wreck, da, 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 you'd be like, ah, and you would feel, you would feel it in your feels. And then I, and then I tell you, no, I'm, I'm playing with you. It's a joke. And then you want to beat me up. Then you hear your feels, you know, <laughs> but, but, but my whole point of, of what, I, what I'm trying to say is, is we have to, when we, when we encounter truth, we, we put it in the left side of our brain, which is like our filing cabinet or storage storage part. And we put it in there as just knowledge. As, as, now, it's important and it's used in the right side of our brain, but our right side of our brain is our control center for the whole thing. That's why I can go on a diet and the next thing I know, I'm eating half a bag of cookies when I'm in my fields because uh, <laughs> I completely forgot in the left side of my brain, I'm on my diet. So what I mean by that is that the truth that's in the word, we have to begin, and the church has been doing this for years, you guys. It's a, it, In one practice, it's called the Lectico Divina. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but what that is is basically what they, they teach you is they teach you to read the word with your imagination and what, what I call the sanctified imagination. In the Bible, the word imagination is used negatively more often than it's used positively. And so we as evangelicals have a very not negative connotation of imagination we see it as the devil's workshop you know we have all these things but there is a word in in the in the ancient languages that has the same connotation of imagination but we use it all the time and we don't think about it it's called hope 
you cannot hope without using your imagination. To hope is to see the future. And, and in, in, I think it's in what, Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so I see hope as an aspect of a sanctified imagination. So what the early church or the, the church has done is they, in, they encouraged the people to go into the Bible and to take small passages of scriptures and be like a hummingbird and suck the nectar out of it. For example, if you go to the, the, the pool of uh, uh, where, the, where the guy was uh, handicapped, was that um, oh, Bethsaida? Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Yeah. And if you, if you see yourself in that when you're reading that story, because we, we use our imaginations when we read books and stories anyway. We're, we're, we, we can't not do it. It's part of how we wired because God is a picture God, not a, not a written God. I mean, the ultimate expression of the word is Jesus Christ, which is an icon or an image. Okay. So we learn more from pictures than we do from words. If I say if I say apple right now, you guys didn't see the word A P P L E. You saw something red. If I say red with a worm, you see a red apple with a worm. You know, you get my point. And so we have to learn to do the same thing with the truth of scripture. We have to learn it has to become visceral and real. We have to have emotions attached to the scripture. We have to let the, the Bible move us just like we let movies move us or other things move us. And when that happens, it transforms our hearts and our minds and those neural pathways that we have that are negative. It begins, and this is what's so cool about neuroplasticity is it, it, it'll, it'll go off the other way and it'll form a new neural pathway that is not like the old one anymore. Kind of like a, I call it like a, a wagon trail. You know, the Oregon trail was a wagon trail for years. And, you know, you veer off the path enough, you begin to make another trail. And that's, that's how our brain rewires itself. And we need to do that. Every time we open up the Bible, we need to rewire our brains so that it's a very natural, like you were talking about, Tori, a very natural, but it also works spiritual warfare negatively. Yeah, like believing and hoping in our hearts, not just like reading the words. There's this quote by A.W. Tozer that I love. We can know the right words, yet never be changed. This is the difference between information and transformation. Exactly. There yeah. it is. Said by the master, master mystic himself. I mean, he was an incredible, incredible man of God. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Well, Brandon, with the last few minutes that we have Whenever we have conversations about like spiritual warfare and these kind of things, I tend to always ask our guest for some practical steps that anybody listening can take um, to put what we've talked about in practice. And if you don't mind, if you can think of something, I, I would love for you to give us some steps or some an exercise that we can do to do what you just mentioned when you talked about getting into the word and, and experiencing those, those pictures and, and operating in hope are, is there any exercises that you can think of or, or some practices that you can think of that we can try real basic stuff? What, what I would do is, is when I read the Bible, um, there was a song when I was a kid that I used to love It's called uh, deep and wide deep and what and so I, I use that song to develop a way to read the bible and so i go deep 
And part of what you guys are talking about is the deep aspect. I go wide is I try to get a breadth of the whole Bible and do a, you know, a Bible reading plan or something like that. Something that I don't really study. I just read at a faster speed and, and it's just mm -hmm. going in. But when I go deep, I, I'll take a passage of scripture for, a, for a, about six months. One time I, I meditated on all the healing instances in the gospels and I would take the different ones and I would just sit there and I would, I would just like try to see what, what it would look like, you know, for Jesus to heal whoever it was that, that he was healing or what it would look like for throngs of people trying to grab at him and, and all that kind of stuff. And just, you know, using my imagination in a godly fashion to be able to see the, the word of God made flesh, so to speak. And that's, that's a pra very practical exercise. You can also do this and, and I'm going to get rid off as a heretic for saying this. I'm, I'm ready for it, but I'm, it's okay. You can begin to see your, put yourself in Jesus's place as healing these people. And I do have a theological foundation for that because who lives inside of us? Jesus. So when I lay hands on people, Jesus is laying hands on people. So there, there's no theological problem with that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll begin to engage. And and we used to have a ministry up here called The Table. And what, what I did at The Table was I mostly just, we would ask people, you know, how can we bless you today? We could, with your body, with your life, with your uh, finances, all these different, we could, would, we would pray to bless them. And nine out of 10 people would need some sort of a healing thing. And we started seeing amazing healings take place. And this was all during the time when I was meditating on the healing scriptures and just beginning to see them, to see the, the Bible less as just a book or a comic book. I mean, even for years when I was a kid, I saw the Bible as almost like those books you see at the dentist office. It was, it was all in those really cool pictures. And then bless their hearts, the Jehovah's Witnesses can really draw. They have a lot of really cool pictures in their books and stuff. And, and, uh, but it's like when I, when I began to read it where I saw them as real people, that's when it really began to make an impact that like, this is history. This is historical. This really took place. It's like, I'm taking it beyond just the inerrancy that I believe in and that the Bible is true. I'm taking it further and saying, no, it's not only true, but it's real. And, and that's what I would encourage you to do, read, read the Bible. We do it with the Old Testament now with the giants. You know, we, we've, we've trained ourselves to do that. We need to go back to the New Testament and do it with Jesus. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that into practice, my friend, because, yeah, I mean, it's something that it's I... It's made a huge impact in my life, man. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to... I'm going to give it a shot um, because yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times I'm, I think in a lot of ways, I'm still stuck in the mindset of I'm not always, but a lot, I think of reading for, for like knowledge, like head knowledge. And I'm definitely guilty of not taking the time to, to, to do what you're talking about and, and just kind of go deep Um and just kind of visualize all of that. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah. It, it makes Jesus real. I, I mean, it's a given that we think he's real, but he's not back there and he's not way up there. He's right here. He's, I am, you know, and that's so cliche, but it's true. Yeah. And I think what the, the enemy has done a really good job of is to get us to compartmental 
compartmentalize things and dissociate. And I think that's what a lot of us, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to say a lot of us, but I think I'm starting to recognize that sometimes that's what I do. Like when I'm reading, I start dissociating and, and I think it's just what I've been conditioned to do. And so it seems like what you're recommending is, is to kind of the opposite of that not dissociate like get into it visualize it engage yeah yeah that's awesome man i love that i mean god god created the whole process of and this is how i differ with with some of the the id people i think the idea is a god-given gift and i think it came after the fall and i think it came for us to be able to deal with trauma we had to we had to be able to create these parts it's a gift i think the enemy has taken what was good like he always does and has made it bad and has used it to puppet and manipulate people. So, uh, yeah. And, and this is a, this is a stage of beginning to reincorporate your broken heart, so to speak. And, and, and le- the la- the, the pictures are the language of God. I mean, when I, when, when that's really got inside of me, I mean, why did Jesus tell parables if pictures are not his language? You know, I mean, it, it's, you can do a study through the whole Bible of all the pictures and, and all the ornate and, Look at nature, y'all. I mean, the beauty, the beauty of God is a picture, you know, anyway. So I'm going again. <laughs> no, I, really I just like love it. him. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I love that picture in Jesus and like not just consuming the word like words, but like picturing it in your heart and yeah. in your mind and feeling it in your body. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to end on a note of fear, but you're so true. Like fear just immediately does that. It like takes hold of us and it at least even like momentarily transforms us, you know, like like, trans, like things start going off in your body and like you're flooded with all these neurotransmitters, you know, and like you're just fight or flight mode. Yeah. Fight or flight mode. And it's all you can think about. And so it's like, if we could, if we could do the opposite and like fill our, fill our bodies with like hope in Jesus, like when we're reading, you know, and not just yeah that's really cool brandon spain brother love you man i really appreciate you, you coming on and, yeah and having this yeah. conversation it's, it's such a, a valuable combo if people want to catch up with you guys go check out the unrefined podcast uh where can they find you if they want to connect with you yeah uh we will i'll i'll send you the deets but we're on facebook we have a facebook page unrefined friends which is for anybody who wants to come in um and they can check out our podcast on all the different um, uh, platforms that are available. And and I also want to do a plug for this men's ministry that we're doing. That's uh, freedom coaching is what it's called. And and the men's ministry is absolutely free. You become a part of it. It has groups. It's it's a way for men to really connect together because in, in the church, a lot of times men are neglected with this. And it's because they haven't been given options, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, that's another conversation for another podcast, but anyway, uh, but, but at the same time, there is also the option to do the freedom coaching where you can learn to coach other men to get free and how to break free from their pain and deal with a lot of their trauma and stuff like that, but also have skill sets. And on the end my, uh, my, my partner in this, he, he teaches like, Hey, start a podcast. And he is, he's a, what I call an expert on podcasting. He's been helping me some and he trains these guys that go through the freedom coaching thing at the end, how to, 
because podcasting you guys is like blue water i mean there there's not enough people in podcasting and it's not saturated at all and so um the more podcasts and particularly the more kingdom people that are that are kingdom oriented podcasters we can get out there the better definitely so yeah i want to so that you can find that at band of brothers it's a group you can go and join and uh yeah that that's how you can find me Awesome. And again, I'm going to have all of these links in the show notes if, if y'all are interested in checking out any of those things. All right, Brandon, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. All right. Camp on, Tori. Camp on, Chris. Until next time. Peace. Hey, they came down to top vanity, brought the proliferation of humanity. Hey, fallen sons of the most high God took advantage of the planet he made, forming a holy alliance of evil and look at the daughters of Adam in vain. Then the flood rain came to restore his creational order to how he arranged. Put the disembodied spirits of the giants still want a war, still want to kill in the core to see the blood of the innocents spill on the floor. That's the demoniac and the kind of Yeshua combined to heal and restore his image bearers in his second chance when he coming back because he bringing a sword. This ain't a planned sermon, it's a welcome to Camp Herman. Yeah. Welcome to Camp Herman. This ain't a planned sermon, it's a welcome to Camp Herman. Yeah. Welcome to Camp Herman.